You're listening to a CFCC audio podcast. For news and service times, visit www.cfccnet.org. Good morning. How are you guys doing today? If you were up really early, you saw the rains this morning, and um, now it's just beautiful outside, is it not? So it's so good that you've come to worship Jesus, that you've come to worship the living Lord. Uh, I just want to ask you to stand right now. Find someone you've not spoken to today and welcome them here to CFCC. What would happen if the people of God started handling money God's ways? to get to the end of your life and have nothing to show for it. This is my family's legacy that I'm talking about here. I've got to have a plan and be focused. That knowledge that you pass down to your kids, that is how you change a family tree. You change your life when you get sick and tired of being sick and tired. And you have that moment where you say, I've had it! I'm not going to live like this anymore! Shane and Christy, We'll be teaching Financial Peace University on Thursday evenings. And I guarantee if you're a part of that class, you will see the excitement in them that you just saw on stage. Do you believe that? (laughs) I might want to come. I mean, this is pretty dynamic. I guarantee if you take part in this class, it will be one of the top investments you have ever made in your life. It is a fantastic class. Dave Ramsey is quite compelling. I hope you'll consider being a part. On Tuesday night, um, there is a new group um, that is forming. Stacy and Mike Levan will be leading that group. Um, if you've never been a part of a group or you want to reconnect with a new life group, I hope you would consider being a part of that as well. If you'll look in your bulletin, you will see this announcement, this insert for Fall Festival. This is not for you to drop on the floor or throw in the trash, all right? All of us have neighbors that we can invite to the Fall Festival. If you look this insert over, it is going to be a fantastic evening. In addition to this, there will be a chili cook-off. If you cook the best chili in um, your neighborhood or in Houston, Texas, go to the foyer after the service and sign up uh, for the chili cook-off. Again, I hope you have come to worship the Lord today. Let's worship him now. Please direct your attention to the baptistry. Good morning. I want to introduce to you my friend Katie Asner. This is Katie, and Katie's been going to Cypher almost as long as I've been going to Cypher. We met over at the 290 campus, and I loved Katie right away. Katie didn't talk to me for the first three or four years that we knew each other, (laughs) which nobody is going to blame me for that. Uh, But Katie is here this morning to publicly profess, confess Jesus Christ as Lord. 
Uh, there's a verse in 2 Corinthians that says, Anyone who is in Christ is a new creation. The old is gone, which is symbolized in the burial and baptism, and the new has come, which is a new life in Jesus Christ. So she's here today uh, to demonstrate that publicly uh, with baptism. So Katie, uh, would you repeat the great confession after me? I believe, I believe that Jesus is the Christ, that Jesus is the, Christ the, Son of the, living God, the Son of the living God, and my personal Lord and Savior. And my personal Lord and Savior. On that confession... Katie, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Let's have an amen again for that. My name is Shane Reeves. I'm one of the elders here at SciFair. And before we get started with talking about our offering today, I wanted to put a notice up here on the screen here real quick. It is Pastor Appreciation Month. So if you get a time this, this month, just uh, call one of the, the pastors, just uh, tell them how much you appreciate them. And if nothing less, just uh, whatever leftover Halloween candy, just give it to them. So yeah. So, but uh, Jeff had mentioned a couple of weeks ago in his sermon talking about climbing as a relation to, to our lives um, and white knuckles and stuff like that. You know, sometimes giving to me sometimes feels like that when you you got bills to pay, you got kids, you know, you got things that they have to have for school and whatnot. It just kind of gets overwhelming at times. So, you know, just the, the pure fact of life, you know, kind of makes it difficult for us to think about giving. Also, the other other thing that I thought about, he talked about white knuckles, you know, you know getting up to the top. And sometimes, you know, we're going to do FPU and uh, Dave Ramsey does a little demonstration with his money. He usually has hundreds. I, I, I can't afford that. So, but basically what he does is he talks about how we hold on to money so tight and that's the white knuckles part. You know, when we, when we hold on to our money so, so tightly, a lot of times, you know, nothing will fall out, but the other problem is, is God can't put anything back in. So that's, sorry about that. A little bit passionate about money, just a little bit different passion than Dave Ramsey. I don't get loud and obnoxious, but but, uh, you know, as far as that, you know, sometimes we just, we don't understand what God wants to do in our lives when we hold on to our money so tightly. The passage that I want to talk about is uh, Matthew six twenty six through 34. It's a pretty familiar passage. Look at the birds of the air. Neither they sow nor reap nor gather into barns. And yet our heavenly father feeds them. Are you not more valuable than they? And which of you, by becoming anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet, I tell you, even Solomon in his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven. Will he not much more clothe you? Oh, you little faith. Therefore, do not be anxious saying, what shall I eat? What shall I drink? What shall I wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things and your heavenly father knows that you need them. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the, the, the day is it, it, its trouble. 
Tomorrow has its own trouble. <laughs> if you'll pray with me. Lord, we just thank you for this day. We thank you for the lives that, that, uh, that you've given to us, the, the, the many things that you've blessed us with. We just pray that we um, honor you in the way we, we give to you and to your kingdom. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you for Jesus. We thank you for this incredible gift of life. Father, we pray that you would teach us today. We pray that you would open our eyes to simple truths. Uh, Father, we, we thank you that as we sit before your goodness, as we sit before your grace, as we sit before your mercy, um, literally we are undone. It's so hard to get our arms around all that you have done that we might have life. Again, Father, teach us today. We pray these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Today we continue our journey through the book of Acts, this journey we call Sent. If you have a Bible, if you would just turn to the book of Acts. If you don't have a Bible, there are Bibles in front of you in the pew, and um, um, you could follow along with me if you would like. Over the past weeks, we've looked at several themes. First of all, in, in Acts 1, um, we saw Jesus, Jesus telling his disciples to wait, wait, don't do anything, wait. You know, it's so hard often for us to wait, is it not? We want to do something. We want to do it now. But Jesus said, wait, because the Holy Spirit is going to come and you will be my witnesses. Then in Acts 2, we saw the Holy Spirit come. The Holy Spirit filled those followers of Jesus and many more became followers of Jesus. And only then were the people, those followers of Jesus, able to become the hands and feet of Jesus, the body of Christ. It's impossible for us to be the body of Christ if Christ is not living in us through the Holy Spirit. Jeff then taught, and he taught about Peter preaching on the day of Pentecost, and we saw 3,000 people come to Christ on that one day after that one sermon. Kevin taught last week, and, and we looked at Peter and John, ordinary people just like us. It says they came upon a crippled man who had been crippled from birth, and they said, look at us. Look eye to eye with us. Really struck me when Kevin said those words that so often when we come across people in great need, we turn our eyes away. We don't know what to do. But Peter and John said, look at us. We don't have silver. We don't have gold. But what we do have, we give to you in the name of Jesus. And this crippled man rose to his feet and walked for the first time in his life. Today, we're going to look at another 
ordinary day in the life of Peter and John. You might say, Dale, are there really any ordinary days in the life of Peter and John? Uh, Yes, there are. And I know that for a fact because Peter and John were more like you and I than we could ever imagine. They were ordinary followers of Jesus. Are you an ordinary follower of Jesus? Or do you want to stand to your feet and say, I'm an extraordinary follower of Jesus? Anyone want to do that today? You see, I'm an ordinary follower of Jesus. Ordinary. I'm just like you. And you know what the world needs to see? The world needs to see not extraordinary followers of Jesus, but ordinary followers of Jesus. The truth is we do not value the ordinary. We would rather be starstruck by the extraordinary. And yet too often the extraordinary draws the spotlight to themselves. Ordinary people put the spotlight on Jesus Christ. Michael Horton in the book Ordinary says these words, changing the world, changing the world can be a way of actually avoiding the opportunities we have every day, right where God has placed us, to glorify and to enrich the lives of others. Sometimes chasing your dreams can be easier than just being who you are, where God has placed you with the gifts he has given you. It's easier sometimes to get caught up in our big dreams than to just be ordinary followers of Jesus right where he has placed us. We're going to continue in Acts chapter four today. And what has happened, this verse immediately follows the healing of the crippled man. Crowds have gathered. They have the disciples, Peter and John, have the crowd's attention. And we read these words. And as they were speaking to the people, the priest and the captain of the temple and the Sadducees came upon them, greatly annoyed because they were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. And they arrested them and put them in custody until the next day, for it was already evening. But many of those who had heard the word believed, and the number of the men came to about 5,000. 3,000 had followed Jesus the last time Peter preached. Another 2,000 have now followed Jesus. The captain of the guard who was in charge of the temple, who was second in command, only second to the high priest, he is worried. The Sadducees are worried. Now, these Sadducees, it's very important to our message today that we get who the Sadducees are. 
Uh, That might be a little boring to you, but I'm telling you, it is critical that we get our arms around this. The Sadducees were collaborators with the Romans, all right? The Sadducees wanted things left alone. The Sadducees loved the status quo. The Sadducees were in the minority, right? But they were the aristocracy. They were rich. They were landowners. They wielded power and authority. And they were very threatened by new teaching. They were very threatened by the following Jesus had, and now they are very threatened by the following the apostles had. Why? It's very important. Why were they threatened? They were threatened because if Rome saw this rising power, this new way, these followers of Jesus, if they viewed them as threatening the peace, The Sadducees would lose power. The Sadducees would um, lose their ability to lead. They would lose their lands. They would lose their wealth. This is a very practical matter. While the Pharisees were against Jesus and the apostles on matters related to the law, the Sadducees, it had everything to do with control and power. The Pharisees actually believed in a resurrection. They believed in miracles. They believed in angels. They believed in demons. The Sadducees did not believe in anything miraculous. You see, they believed the kingdom of God had already come during the Maccabean period when the Maccabees stood against Rome. And so the Sadducees believed God's kingdom had come. There was no need for the resurrection. There was no need for miracles. God's kingdom had come. Does it make sense why they were threatened by the apostles? The apostles are preaching a resurrection. The apostles are teaching about Jesus. The apostles have healed a crippled man. 2,000 more people have become followers of Jesus. The Sadducees are threatened. Resurrection to them meant one thing. God was establishing a kingdom. He was going to turn upside down the power structure of the world. They wouldn't admit they were wrong, but they were threatened by the fact that the crowds were being convinced that this man named Jesus was truly the Messiah. Make no doubt about it. It is always the case, always the case without exception. The message of the gospel threatens the status quo. The message of the gospel of Jesus Christ threatens the status quo. It threatened the status quo in regard to the Sadducees. It threatened the status quo in regard to the Pharisees. 
And if we open our ears and our minds and our hearts to the gospel, it always threatens the status quo in our lives. You cannot embrace the gospel. You cannot embrace the gospel without a new normal existing in your life. Let's read a little further. On the next day, remember they put them in jail. There's kind of a a debate. It really doesn't matter. Some believe the crippled man was put in jail with them that night because he was living proof. On the next day, their rulers and elders and scribes gathered together in Jerusalem with Annas the high priest and Caiaphas and John and Alexander and all who were of the high priestly family. And when they had set them in their midst, they inquired by what power or by what name did you do this? This is the Sanhedrin. This is 71 men in authority in the Jewish community, in the Jewish nation. Sadducees, priests, Pharisees, elders, they're all listed there for you. So here are Peter and John. The, let's imagine this council of 71 people up here. And let's imagine Peter and John right here in a semicircle. Maybe they have a deja vu moment. Who only a short time ago had stood in the midst of the same council? Anyone want to tell me? Jesus. What happened to Jesus? Well, they knew what happened. This kangaroo court sentenced him to death, death on a cross, and the Romans nailed him to the cross. Maybe they're wondering right now whether they would be next. Wouldn't that be pretty logical? It seems like it would make sense. And so they asked them, by what name, by what authority are you performing this miracle? And look what Peter replies. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Now, Peter already had the Holy Spirit living within him. That's full of the Holy Spirit. This field of the Holy Spirit, God fills us and empowers us at specific times in our life to do something specific for his kingdom. So Peter's empowered. Filled with the Holy Spirit, he said to them, rulers, rulers of the people and elders, If we are being examined today concerning a good deed done to a crippled man, by what means this man has been healed, let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man is standing before you well. This Jesus is the stone, the stone 
that was rejected by you, the builders, which has become the cornerstone. That's a messianic passage. That's a passage telling about the future coming of the deliverer, the Christ, the anointed one, the Messiah. It's in Psalm 118.22. And it's almost a, a direct quote. And so Peter doesn't back down. He says it's by the name of Jesus, the Messiah, the stone you guys rejected, the same one you crucified. This is the Jesus, the stone that was rejected by you, the builders, which has become the cornerstone, which has sealed God's plan. And there is salvation. There is rescue. There is deliverance. There is healing in no one else for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Would you call that bold? See, today, I want us to see that ordinary people as we walk in dependence on the Holy Spirit, actually can live bold lives, different lives, influential lives. You know what ordinary people need to see? Other ordinary people who know Jesus. Some of you maybe read e-news, the e-news that we send out by email. The truth of the matter is the majority of people are ordinary, not extraordinary. Are they not? Isn't that common sense? Wouldn't call um, people who are extraordinary, extraordinary if they were the majority. They would be ordinary, right? But the majority of us are ordinary. The majority of us most likely do not have a college degree. 60% of people do not have an associate degree nor a bachelor's degree, definitely not a master's degree or doctorate. Ordinary people do not have a college degree. You see, what we might think is ordinary is often extraordinary. God wants to work. I'm, I'm not putting down extraordinary, right? We hope the quarterback of the Texans is extraordinary this evening. We hope the quarterback of the Cowboys is just meh, right? Right? Seriously. You you see? Ordinary, extraordinary. God longs to work in and through your life. God longs for you to see That your hope is not in you, it's not in your abilities, it's not in your wealth, it's not in your health, it's in Jesus. There is no other name under heaven or earth whereby men may be saved other than the name of Jesus. You see, Jesus said that. For all those who think Jesus was just another good teacher, a moral man, he proclaimed himself to be more than that. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. 
No man, no one comes to the Father but by me. Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden and worn out, and I will give you rest. He says, do you thirst? Do you thirst? Drink from the living water that I will give you and you will never be thirsty again. I could go through many, many I am statements of Jesus. He was and is God made flesh. The way, the truth, and the life, the cornerstone, the capstone that completed, it is finished, the plan of God. The gospel, the message of God always threatens the status quo. Jesus told the disciples that when they stood before kings and councils and people in authority, he said, don't worry don't fret about what you're going to say. Luke 21, 14 and 15. Settle it therefore in your minds not to meditate beforehand how to answer. For I will give you a mouth and wisdom which none of your adversaries will be able to withstand or contradict. You see, the disciples reflect Jesus. People said, this man teaches with authority. How can he do that? He's never been um, to rabbinical school. They spoke that about Jesus. And now here, these two ordinary men are speaking boldly for Jesus. Michael Horden, again, in the book Ordinary, he writes, the gospel is not about what we have done or are called to do, but the announcement of God's saving work in Jesus Christ. The Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians 4 verse 5, he writes, for what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, with ourselves as your servants, for Jesus' sake. The disciples actually go from being on the defensive to the offensive. We can live our lives in a defensive posture or we can live with the confident hope that Jesus is who he claimed to be, that we've received good news not because of our goodness, but because of God's goodness. Not because we have it all figured out and have got our life all cleaned up so we can approach God. No, we can live confidently because God accepted us just like we were and just like we are and gives us life through faith in Jesus Christ. Let's look at verse 13. This is fairly a long passage, but we're moving pretty good, moving pretty fast. So just hang on um, because this is my favorite part of the whole passage. This might be my favorite verse in the book of Acts. Uh, it's so simple. 
Um, So simple. Now when they, when the Sanhedrin, when they saw the boldness, there's a decisiveness. There's no stammering or stuttering in Peter, in John. They're not scared before this council of 71 people. Jesus has given them incredible courage, a courage that is not their own. When they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated. Listen, in the original language, the word is this, idiontai. Does it sound like a word that we use sometimes? Right? They were uh, agrammatai, grammar, not grammared. They were uneducated. They were commoners. They were people of the field. Forgive me if you're a farmer, right? But they were considered uneducated. They'd never been to a rabbinical school. They had never had formal learning. But when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and realized they were unschooled, ordinary men, they took note. They realized that they had been with Jesus. But seeing the man who was healed standing beside them, they had nothing to say in opposition. But when they had commanded them to leave the council, they conferred with one another, saying, what shall we do with these men? For that a notable sign has been performed through them is evident to all the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and we cannot deny it. But in order that it may spread no further among the people, let us warn them to speak no more to anyone in this name. Now they see courage. They see boldness. They see uneducated, ordinary men who have been influenced by Jesus. They've been with Jesus You know, the people that we've been with have a great influence on our life, do they not? There are times in life when we are influencers, our lives rub off on those that we're hanging out with. Jesus said that as followers of Jesus, we're to be salt and light, right? So yesterday, um, went to Gringo's. I'm glad Gringo's is spreading throughout the city of Houston now. You know, I just had to tell my waitress, I said, you know, I've eaten at Gringo's more than anyone in this restaurant. She looked at me kind of weird. <laughs> you weirdo. But see, I, I used to eat at the original Gringo's um, probably every other week, if not weekly, Uh, My oldest daughter was a hostess at the original Gringos. I love Gringos. But you know, uh, those chips are just not very good without some salt on them, right? They give taste. All right, if you're healthy, don't lecture me after this message, right? Give a little extra taste, You and I are to add flavor to the world in which we live. 
Jesus was salt and light and flavored the lives of his disciples. And we're to be salt and light. We're a preservative. We're seasoning for the world in which we live. But you see, we can be influenced by others as well. Can we not? I'll never forget in high school, uh, my mom said, Dale, the people you run with, the people you become like. I said, oh no, mom, not me, right? I don't have to tell you any more of the story, (laughs) right? But you know, I really thought as a follower of Jesus, I would be more of an influence on my seven or eight friends than they would be on me. And it really didn't happen. Be careful, Influence is always taking place. Either you are an influencer or those you're hanging out with are influencers. There is an exchange of values always going on. And this council says these men have been influenced by Jesus. That brings me to the second key principle A relationship with Jesus always, not sometimes, always results in transformation. A relationship with Jesus, that's the key. Not just knowledge about Jesus. The Sadducees and Pharisees, the whole Sanhedrin had knowledge of Jesus. But you see, they didn't have a relationship. They were unwilling to place their confidence. They were unwilling to be rescued by Jesus. They just weren't going going to do it. I don't know where you find yourself today, but I'm telling you, it doesn't matter what you're going through. Jesus will meet you in the midst of whatever it is. He's not running from you. He's running to you. It could be a marriage crisis, financial crisis, emotional crisis. Maybe you're battling depression. Maybe you're battling bankruptcy. Maybe you're battling a health crisis. You see, Jesus brought healing and that same word, there's no other name under heaven and earth where men may be saved, healed, saved. It's the same word. Our bodies need healing often, but more than anything, our souls need healing. We need a rescuer. We need a healer. And Jesus alone is the one who heals our souls. When we embrace Jesus, transformation, change always occurs. You know, maybe the change that occurred if you're a follower of Jesus in your life was like the cripple man, right? It was miraculous, immediate change and people just looked at you and and said, what? Right? Maybe a slow, steady change over a long, long journey. Change is change, guys. One's not better than the other. It's just different. But if you're in relationship with Jesus, there will be change because God lives in you. We learned that a few weeks ago through the Holy Spirit. 
And God longs for us to become more like Jesus. I wish I didn't have to quote this next quote, but I will. Neither logic nor prophetic power necessarily undermines prejudice and moves hard-hearted people to faith. I'm gonna read it again. Neither logic, you can't argue someone into faith, nor prophetic power, even the miraculous not, does not, the amazing voice of God, the, the works of God, it doesn't move everyone to faith. Neither logic nor prophetic power necessarily moves hard-hearted people to faith. The Sadducees weren't moved to faith. The Sanhedrin weren't moved to faith. By the way, you never see them arguing against the resurrection. You don't see it in the past chapter. You don't see it in this chapter. Maybe there's nothing to argue with. They definitely couldn't prove it didn't happen. There was too much evidence that it did happen when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and realized they were unschooled, ordinary men. This is the same Peter that denied Christ over and over and over again and now stands before 71 people who had his life in their, his life in their hands and there's nothing but boldness. What happened? I'll tell you what happened. The resurrection of Jesus Christ. God was turning on its head the world. His kingdom was coming on earth as it is in heaven. Let's read the last section of scripture. Look at verse 18. So they called them and charged them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered them, whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than God, you must judge. They put it right back in their lap. You claim to be leaders of the temple and God's messengers on this earth, you decide whether we should speak or not. For we cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard. And when they had further threatened them, they let them go, finding no way to punish them because of the people. For all were praising God for what had happened. For the man on whom the sign of healing was performed was more than 40 years old. It's hard to argue with living proof, is it not? It's hard to argue with living proof. You see, some of you, you have a story. Um, you've placed your faith in Jesus. You know it. I know it. I've heard some of your stories. But you say, you know, they have a better story. I've heard their story. Mine's pretty boring, Dale. I wish I had a story like them. Their story's extraordinary. 
I'm glad you don't have a story like them because God wants to use ordinary people just like you and me to share good news about Jesus. You know, ordinary people who, uh, they, they have not been lame for 40 years and then are miraculously raised to walk again. No, people who have their eyes open to good news and over 40 years become like Jesus. Mountaintop experiences, dark valley experiences, people who have placed their hope in Jesus and are going to hope in Jesus till their last breath on this earth. As we teach through the book of Acts, as Jeff teaches, as I teach, as Kevin teaches, we're going to see Peter and John again and again. We're going to see Paul and Barnabas, John Mark. It's going to be tempting for you to view them as superstars. I'm here to tell you, Peter was a fisherman. John was a fisherman. They had much less education than the vast majority of people in this room. Their boldness came from good news. Good news that was turning the world upside down. I'm telling you, that good news will threaten you and I if we're not careful. It threatens us. We're afraid for our world to be turned upside down. We're afraid to lose control just like the Sadducees were. Are we not? I kind of like calling the shots in my life. What about you? I really don't like to live in dependence on anyone. I kind of like being independent. If I'm really honest... My actions say that I think I have all the answers because some days I do not spend time with God in prayer or in his word. You see, for a follower of Jesus that says, oh, I can go, go about life on my own. I don't need to slow down and listen. I don't have anything that I really need to say Let God turn your world upside down. Let the good news of the gospel threaten the status quo. Run to it, not away from it. Allow God to change you. Every Sunday, it doesn't matter who's teaching because we all speak from God's word. God speaks. I don't know how many people God's stirring today, but I guarantee God's stirring some of you in your heart. Maybe you've been thinking and now your heart's being stirred. Don't wait to respond to God's stirring. Don't wait. It's not about life and death for me. It's simply that that stirring does not occur for a lifetime. It comes and then it goes. 
Isaiah said, seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Do you sense God near to you right now? I'm gonna ask those serving communion. I'm going to ask um, our prayer partners to come forward right now. If you sense the nearness of God, if you claim Jesus as your Savior and your Lord, celebrate at this table of grace. Maybe move over and, and pray with a prayer partner. Maybe it's time in your life for you to step across that line of faith and say, I'm ready for God to threaten my status quo. I'm ready to acknowledge that I don't have the answers. I don't have the solutions to all the challenges in my life. I am in need of Jesus. It could be that communion might be your first action of confessing Christ. As you're given the bread representing the body of Christ and the cup is before you representing the blood of Christ, you're acknowledging the way, the truth, and the life. The one who took on human form became flesh and blood shed his blood that you might have life. Father, we thank you for your goodness and your greatness. We celebrate your grace right now in Jesus' name, amen. Many times over the course of my life, I've had good friends, good relationships where I've seen someone, you can just see, maybe they get for the first time this message of good news. And, and I ask them a very simple question. It's a very forward question, but because they're friends of mine, they allow me to ask it. I said, what else does God have to do? What else does God have to do for you to step across the line of faith and embrace Jesus as your savior, as the leader of your life? Guys, I think it's, it's a very simple question. Hasn't God done enough? He sent his son from heaven. His son took on the form of his servant. His son lived a perfect life, shed his blood on a cruel cross, was resurrected on the third day. His son ascended to heaven and he will come again to establish his kingdom forever and ever and ever. I'm a part of that kingdom today. Many of you are a part of that kingdom today. I hope if there's any question in your mind whether you're a follower of Jesus, you would just nail that down. Say, I'm going to step across that line of faith and forever I will follow Jesus to the best of my ability. Maybe there's some status quo issue in your life that you want God to change. Just ask him to change it right now. Say, Father, I've been dealing with this for a long time, would you help that to be turned upside down in my life? I want change. 
You see, God hears our prayers. We should know that. We sense him. No one's gonna force you to follow Christ. But as God speaks, seek the Lord while he may be found. Let's worship God. Maybe you wanna pray with a prayer partner up front or in the back. Um, Just do as God leads. Let's stand. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. Earlier today, we got to witness a baptism. And that step in a faith journey often starts because of parents who, who love on and invest in their kid very intentionally. And one of the early steps in that journey that we celebrate here is baby dedication. And we have some baby dedications today. And it's a little extra special because we don't have just one baby being dedicated this morning. We have eight babies being dedicated this morning. We've, we've talked a lot about life groups and doing life together. And that's what we have happening. We have a life group that they are all going to be dedicating their babies together. So if you guys could come on up, I'm not even going to try to remember all the names on this. I am going to let families introduce. I could maybe do it, but it's going to be a lot easier if we just pass the mic around. So while they are getting up here, I will start that process right here. We are the Justice family. I'm Lindsay. This is my husband, Matt. And this is Lila and Shelby. And we are dedicating Maddie Rose today. She was born May 18th. Um, so she's almost five months old. Excellent. Good morning. I'm John. This is my wife, Kimberly. And this is Amelia and Audrey and Ethan Wayne. And he was born on July 26th at uh, about 7.24 a.m. And he was seven pounds and... One ounce, so, and 20 inches long. Hello, we're the Riggs family. I'm uh, Edward, this is my wife, Michelle, and this is our son, Evan, and this is our daughter, Claire Newell, that we're dedicating today. Hi, I'm uh, Aaron, this is Christina, we're the Bunches, this is Ivy, and this is Charlotte, twins born on... January uh, 21st, and this is Theo, and he's two and a half, and we're dedicating all three. And we are the Grants. Um, My name is Lane. This is my wife, Kelly, and this is Naya Michelle. She was born on December 8th at 647, uh, 19 inches long, just under five pounds. And this is Mia, who wants the mic. Um, She was born about 30 minutes later. 18 and a half inches long and just over five pounds, and they're 10 months old now. We are really, really excited to join with these families and dedicate these babies. And when we do baby dedications here at SciFair Christian, what we're doing is we're pledging to walk alongside of these families, to pray for them, to support them, and to be with them as they model what it looks like to follow Jesus to their kids. Uh, and, and you guys do that by volunteering in Quest Kids. You do that by checking in on them to see if they need anything. You do that by praying for them. Um, and, and we are so glad we have a church community that wants to walk alongside families as they model 
kids to Jesus so that one day they can have their own faith in him. So we have a letter for each of the kids to open that explains what happened this morning and, and talks to them a little bit about where they are at on their faith journey and encourages them to, to seek Christ. Uh, they open that on their 10th birthday. And then we have a small gift for each family that is a, a kind of a parenting book that puts into perspective the changes those babies are going to go through all through their journey and, and different ideas for how we can support them and point them to Jesus. So uh, right now, we would love it if you would join us in prayer for praying for each of these families and dedicating these babies. Let's bow our heads. Father God, thank you so much for uh, a, a church community and for parents that want to put children in a place where they can meet you over and over again, where they can see how important a relationship with you is. We pray that uh, as a church, we can support these families and lift them up as they show Jesus to these kids. And Lord, we we pray for your blessing to fall on each of these kids, Lord. Uh, Pray that as they grow, they become people who who are strong in their faith, who are courageous in sharing you, and, and who know the importance of loving your people. Lord, we pray that through that journey, they are constantly supported and shown your light week after week, day after day, by their families and by the people of this church. Your name I pray, amen. You guys can grab your envelope. And, and for the rest of us, come on up, introduce yourself to these families, explain to them some of your best parenting tips and have a great day as you go out and share the love of Jesus to the community. Have a good day.